Welcome to KC Corner 123. We got a big, big episode today. We do, and we got an awesome location. Yes, we do. We're off-site today. We are. We are in our special <laughs> guest crib, and it's an awesome crib. <laughs> We're taking KC Corner on the road. And I love it. Next on, two man. weeks. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it's awesome. Yes, indeed. Listen, our guest is not even been introduced, and he's already throw jumping in here. I, I know. Love I, this, I, I know? hear him. Do you, you want to go ahead and introduce? <laughs> well, him? you know, he's never found a mic he didn't love, and, <laughs> and so that's why I love him. We're we're brothers from another mother. We always Dude. have been. So it's it's David Outing, the Bishop David Outing, that is truly an incredible godsend to the Jakes family, to King's Chapel, to really the Christian community in Central Florida and beyond. Love my brother. Sadly, he's a little bit younger than I am, although this is his <laughs> birthday month. Um, Your baby brother. Uh, but so many ways, so many, we're, you know, we, we, we both hammer a buffet line and, uh, you know, we, uh, we both love Jesus. We both love our families and, uh, you know, we both have the privilege of telling others about Jesus. So David Outing is in the corner, mm -hmm. the KC corner. And you heard his voice last Sunday too. Yeah, <laughs> we preached it up. How, how did you enjoy King's Chapel, David? Oh man, I always love coming home to my King's Chapel family. Ah, that's awesome. Uh, great hospitality, just people who love one another and love Jesus, and so those are the kind of folks I like to hang out with. So yeah, we love having come you. Home to Casey. This has been awesome. David said, "Wow, three times in one week." So I had the privilege of having David speak to our Maitland Men's Club on Friday. He crushed it there. He shared about something we're going to talk about today, Brooks, uh, a little bit. So let me introduce a little bit. This is a new month. So mm -hmm. as we're in September, and those of you who have been listening, you know, since we've come back after a little bit of break in July, we're adding a new flavor, trying to do something a little different. We're having a monthly focus, uh, last month being Christian education. And this this month, we're tackling an easy little topic, Brooks, culture wars. Super simple Ooh. topic. Super simple. So as a matter of fact, I looked it up. Wikipedia says this about culture wars. A culture war is a cultural conflict between social groups and the struggle for dominance in their values, beliefs, and practices. And again, we see at the front line of those culture wars, uh, issues like abortion, LGBTQ ideology, binary gender, critical race theory, global warming, and a host of other topics that really seem to be dividing our culture into pieces. And so we're going to try to take a stab at that. In light of our current culture wars, really the focus that we want to have here on the corner is to say, what is... What is the Christian's responsibility? What is the church's responsibility? How do we engage or how do we disengage? Are we creating Christian subcultures? Is that our goal? Like, you know, radio stations that are safe for the little ears. Or are we trying to engage with the current culture for the glory of our great, great God? Where do we play offense? Where do we play defense? You know, what what is, uh, where, where should we stand with this? You know, you see this spectrum throughout you know, the church history. You have the folks like the Amish who will say, hey, let's get away from culture as much as we can and let's separate and let's have our own little community. Uh, and the question always is, well, how does that really be a city on a hill? How is that to be salt and light? They seem to be a really good defensive team, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then you have others who are, you know, preaching on the street corners or, or uh, really trying to engage um in culture in offensive way so mm -hmm. we have the bishop david outing and uh he's he's uh, a great one to ask and start with so david thank you for letting us jump right in 
you know, you and I are about the same age. We're both 29. And, uh, and Don't be lying on the board. <laughs> <laughs> you just invited Jesus to come in and everything. Amen, amen. All right, so we're a little older than 29. But can you believe the world in which we live, David? I mean, how different is this compared to the way we grew up? And although you grew up in Central Florida, I grew up in Central New York. It was still a different world back then, wasn't it? Man, a whole lot different. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a time where um, it really was a village. Everybody was uh, neighborly, looked out for one another. You knew all your neighbors on the on the entire street. Yeah. Um, the mothers were mothers to every child on that street. The fathers were fathers to every child on that street. Yeah. You know that you know what, and, and, and if a mother or father mm-hmm. spoke to a child or even spanked a child back come, then, come on, yeah, man. come on, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, your parents weren't going to sue them for it. You know, yeah, they're going to go over and thank them. You know, does, does he need another one? You yes. know, and so, uh, yes. you know, I saw something on Tim Keller. I think it was a Tim Keller quote in an article I read, and I believe it's Tim, but it said, "Americans don't Americans don't share the same American values that they used to, and they don't share the same American story." And if you don't have the same values and you don't have the same story, you know, that's a, that's a, it, it, you would think that that wouldn't unify anybody. I mean, how does, it seems like we got to where we are because of values that are not shared anymore. And, Absolutely. You know. Well, you know, Paul talked about a, a great falling away that would uh, precede uh, the Lord's return. Yeah. Now, we don't know when Jesus is going to return. Right. Um, but the things that the scripture says to look out for, prior to his return there's a lot we of see a lot of that yeah. have happened or happening today and so i think the further we get away from creation the more we see a um a decrease in godliness and right. more degradation and and sin is just coming to its head man right. so you see it in every sector man you can go into the news and have to cut it off yeah you know because there's so much bad that's out there because we are living in a fallen world. It's so true. Yeah. You know, even the news, you talk about the news, Brooks, when we grew up, really there was, you had ABC, NBC, and CBS, Walter but Cronkite. but mostly Walter Cronkite. He was the one who would, he would say, and that's the way it was, or that's the way it was, or something like that. But uh, on the date, he'd repeat the date. And, you know, you and never... the national anthem, and then the TV cut off. Exactly. It's like, there you go. It's over. <laughs> was nothing we're else. dating ourselves. I know. It's so true. Um but the interesting thing, Brooks, you never thought, hey, I wonder if this is a liberal broadcast or a conservative broadcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, there wasn't, that was just a broadcast, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you really felt like, you didn't feel like you had to have a filter. It wasn't like, uh-oh, so what, am I, what am I hearing? Am I hearing it from a left or right side of view? It's just like, oh, this is the news. Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree, man. Everything's yeah. partisan. Yeah. Now, I think so. the difference, too, is now you can, like, sculpt your news to what you want. You can go on Twitter and follow only the people that you want yeah. and kind of have that echo chamber of, like, okay, I only want to hear these people. Like, this is what I what I want my news to be. Yeah. Where that's at least, like, broadcasted and, you know, talk about different issues. And if you pick those channels... Not only are you getting this is what I want to hear, you're getting people bashing what you mm-hmm. don't want to hear. Yeah, it yeah. seems if you go to, to the be, comment section, it's not a pretty place. Yeah. You know, it seems like, David, that the ability to dialogue, the ability to, they say, politically cross aisles, cross over the aisle, has almost been lost in our society. We just seem to be screaming at each other <laughs> or somehow judging one another and not really showing the love of Christ at times, even Christians. So, all right, well, let's let's jump into the heart of this. So... David, how do you think overall the church 
you're a pastor. You've been a pastor for a long time. Um, I know you're with the Kingdom Church right now and a great church. But how do you feel a church should be engaging culture wars? What's what's? And again, I know you're not speaking for that church, by the way. I know you're speaking for David Outing. So I'm asking you, my brother David Outing, when you see the church, do you think... How do we engage? And think specifically, do you think we're playing, we should play more offense or more defense? I think the church should just do and be what Christ uh, told us to do and be. Okay. And that is to, uh, as Jesus said, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But at the same time, he said, we're in it, but we should not be of it. Right. Right. Jesus um, was um, branded as someone who was a friend of sinners because he didn't mind going to where the sinners were, not to be like them, not to hang, not just to hang out so that he can do what they did. Jesus knew that I can't affect you or infect you if I'm not with you, yeah. if, I'm, if, I, if I'm not uh, in the same space as you are. So as the church, I believe, as we said Sunday at King's Chapel, I think... Every church service is like a locker room setting for a sports team. But the goal is to prepare the players, in this case, the saints, the church, the people of God that come together. It's not just to check off something, Mm -hmm. you know, in the week and say, okay, I went to church. Mm -hmm. Okay, I did my church stuff. And so now it's time to go to the beach and Mm -hmm. time to do stuff. It's, It's to prepare you for going into the world. Yeah. Gather to scatter. Ga- I love that. <laughs> Gather to scatter. I heard one church I was at it, as you were leaving the parking lot, it, it, it said... Um, Welcome to the mission field. Yeah. Uh, now you're entering the mission field. Now you're going into the mission field because yeah. the reality of it is the church is where we we fellowship, we, we get strength and we get the instructions from the pastor or whoever's preaching that day. But the goal is to be so pumped up like a football team or a hockey team or anybody in that locker room, the goal is to get out there and play the game. Yeah. And our job as church, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, I believe, is to be out there in the world so we can influence it for the kingdom. But not being like the world. But not being like the world. It seems like the church has chased culture for too long. We've tried to become as close as we can, looking like them, acting like them, thinking like them. Mm. And I think the only positive I see out of where we are today is that there should be a greater and greater dichotomy. I mean, God never wanted his people to act like the other nations. That's he never right. He never wanted That's them. Right. He never. He wanted to be their king and wanted them to be peculiar. Some strange people that love King Jesus. But, okay, so you talk about the church, and I know you're a churchman, but you have a couple amazing ministries that God has given you that really... Some people might say are parachurch, uh, you know, alongside the Greek word to alongside the church. Um, and one of them is corporate care partner uh, partners, and that what what a what a great uh, company that you've put together. And corporate care partners, that your your job or your desire or your goal, I should say, is really to provide uh, with. Uh, clergy, no, not clergy, chaplains, chaplains for mm-hmm. for for businesses uh, to influence. Tell tell us a little bit about corporate care partners and how does that fit with the church? Yeah, well, it's uh, over eight years ago. Um, wow, God gave me a, a heart and a vision to go into the marketplace and to provide uh, spiritual care. 
it was right about that time that I sensed God shifting, if I can use this word, my, my, my apostolic burden in the sense, what I mean by that, uh, the word apostle means sent, sent mm -hmm. one, one who was sent by God to do something and um, not to put myself on the same uh, level as the apostles of scripture because they're, they're in a whole different level. But I'm using that word to say that I felt God shifting my burden from the traditional church right. into the marketplace. I didn't understand it all then. And so my my failure, well, I, I, I say failures, but um, my lack of traditional pastoral church success, which is, you know how it is. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, when you're planting a church or when you're pastoring a church, you want to know, okay, how many people showed up? On nickels Sunday? and noses, baby. Yeah, nickels how many and nickel, and nickels and noses? <laughs> how many people were yeah. there? Yeah. And if that number is not rising Ooh, at a man. significant level, you you know, we go to church conference, growth, church yeah, growth church. conferences. Yeah. How do we grow the church? But I felt God saying, you know, I have people there for you. I'm shifting your burden. Mm -hmm. Take me in places mm -hmm. where I'm normally not. Amen. You know, George Barner said, you know, we know George Barner. He's a Christian researcher. He says he predicted that marketplace ministry is the future of the church. Wow. Workplace ministry will be one of the core future innovations in church ministry. That's fantastic. Hey, by the way, and I mean this, not just as your biggest fan and a brother of yours, I think that God shifted that apostolic burden, not because of a lack of success. I mean, I've seen fruit in your ministry from day one. I think you have the capacity and ability that goes beyond a typical pastor. I mean, that's uh, I've seen that giftedness with Jobs Partnership. I've seen that giftedness in a lot of different things in you. So I think God took a very talented, gifted Jesus loving man and put him in another market, which I love. Now, Brooks, you're, you're in the marketplace. I mean, you know, what, what is it like being a young Christian in the marketplace? And does it feel like your church life is such a dichotomy or so different than your, your work life? Yeah, it is because I work for a startup business, but then, you know, essentially attend a startup church. My girlfriend works at the startup church. So I try and balance when we talk about it, like, you know, when you're a startup business, you're trying to grow revenue, profit, the products, everything like that. In a startup church, you're like, okay, it's not for our glory. It's not to like, we look out there and there's a bunch of people, um, but it's kind of a balancing act between that of like, how can we make the church as good as possible, but not for us, not right. it's just to glorify God. For the glory of our great God and the good of our neighbor. And let me just say, Brooksy, and I really do believe for the glory of our great God, but as David and I know, there, there's a, it's hard, man. When you, when you're, oh, yeah. when, you're when you're, when you're, when you <laughs> <laughs> when you're, you know, you're the founding pastor, you know, you're looking out there. It's like, oh, Lord, you know, yeah, it's uh, just natural. You want to see growth and, you know, look at that chart and see the yeah. numbers climb up yeah. from left to right and everything. It's in our it's in our nature. I think Yogi Berra summed it up well when he talked about certain places. I think about churches. He says no one goes there anymore. It's too crowded. <laughs> and uh, it, it seems like the crowd gets crowds once you hit that tipping point. But let's get back on to point here. So, Brooksy, has uh, it been a... Uh, Living out your faith in the business world, has, has that been an interesting, difficult thing? Do you see that culture war take place? I know you guys are in the baseball cloud world. but mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's definitely different because I'm typically interacting with coaches. So they're not, they're focused on their team, not necessarily like a business. Um, so they're very focused on their team and those coaches work extremely hard. So shining light on them because they're putting in 70, 80 hour weeks. They're away yeah. from their family and be able to have conversations with them about, about it and connect with them uh, is definitely great. That's awesome. Um, well, let's, let me ask David, how do you, how do you, how does the cor- uh, the uh, corporate care partners find partners? I mean, so you got to be looking at CEOs or business owners who have a Christian worldview. I mean, this, you don't go to somebody who has no value in a Christian worldview and partner with them. So, yeah. you know, is, is that, is that right? It's how, how do you market yourself? If that's the right word, how do you promote yourself? Yeah, really the the CEO, the owner, the leader, the, the decision makers of that company really need to be Christ followers or mm-hmm. believers to embrace corporate chaplaincy. Every CEO that we've presented to that did not come across as being overtly a believer, um, oh yeah, it was great, you know, we, we'll think about it. They never did business with me. Yeah, All of my clients, and we have 16 of them, they're uh, all led by believers because they believe that that spiritual care that comes into um, their marketplace is going to do something uh, for their people, you know. And we go, uh, we typically go into the into the workplace um, every week or even every other week, depending mm-hmm. on the contract. And we just go around. We go to every cubicle, every office, and just say. Hey Jeff, how you doing? You know what's going on with you, man? How's your family doing? Mm-hmm. Um, How's your soul? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's your soul? Hey, for uh, those of you yeah. don't know, I always ask David that or some of our friends. They're like, it's none of your business, <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, you don't know about my yeah. soul, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how are you doing? Anything we could be praying about? And um, they can talk about anything that concerns them, and it could be something about themselves. It could be a loved one. It could be an elderly parent or grandparent that's in a nursing home mm. or, or in hospice care mm-hmm. and they want us to go visit. So we do home visits. We do hospital wow. visits. We, we just bring pastoral ministry into the marketplace. So when life does happen in that employee's life, they can call their chaplain 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, we're, we're available on weekends, late at night. If we need to talk you off the cliff, you know, at two o'clock mm. in the morning, mm. we want you to call us. You know, does the uh, does the church support you or feel threatened by you? I mean, it seems like uh, at some churches might feel like you're p- providing a service that they should be providing, going in homes mm. and praying for people. But do you sense any any threat from the church? Not at all. If anything, more support. That's good. Um, but I don't look for confirmation or affirmation from the church or anybody. I just know what God has given us to do. It just so happens most pastors or people that I talk to, man, that's amazing. That's it's I awesome. never heard of chaplaincy, yeah. Yeah. you know, for, for businesses. Do you have a certain, when you train your people, your chaplains, are there certain conversations you tell them to avoid? I mean, the culture wars, are you willing to talk about LGBTQ issues? Are you uh, talk about you know, different things that are controversial or do you try to avoid those? Yes and no. Um, if it's super controversial, um, uh, we, we would tell them to, you know, get in touch with their pastor if mm-hmm. they have a church. If they don't have a church, um, then we would ask the question, well, you 
it could go something like this. And they, if they ask us a question that is on the controversial nature, um, I will respond this way. I said, well, I can respond, but only from a Christian worldview. Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. If they open up the door and say yes, mm-hmm. then we go, we ride that way. I got you. We'll take them to the cross. But one of the things that I did do when we started the company, other um, chaplaincy organizations, um, their chaplains will marry employees. Hmm. I decided from Jump Street that we weren't going to marry anybody as chaplains because in the marketplace, you got same-sex relationships, you got Mm -hmm. heterosexual, and I can't marry Jeff and Katie Mm -hmm. if I'm not willing to marry Jim and John, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and so if I if if I just focused on one as opposed to the other, uh, my company can um, uh, be sued, or the company that hired us that they work for yep. could be sued as yep. well. So we just stay away from wow, it. That's smart. And I find someone in the community that will serve them. Yeah, it mm-hmm. seems like you have to be, as Jesus said, as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. You, and you know? have to and be, so, man. You have so. to be. Hey, let me let me have a pivot here just for time's sake, because, you know, unlike me, you, you have so many cool things that God has called you to. You know, I just have one, bro. I'm a church pastor, but you, you're a pastor, you're a corporate care CEO, and you are the founding president, CEO, whatever, you know, uh, El Jefe of a really awesome new youth ministry, Central Florida Alliance, um, mm. uh, a ministry. It's even in the name, right? Central uh, Central Florida Alliance Ministry. Youth sports ministry. Youth sports ministry. Okay. I know it includes right now primarily football and cheerleading mm-hmm. with more things on the docket. And I think you have like 230 kids or something yeah, like that involved uh in, in, in youth sports with AAU and with a, with a, I know you recently had a baptism of about eight of your football players, mm-hmm. uh, including a grandson, which was pretty darn cool. But tell us a little bit about, you know, what is Central Florida Lions? What was the heart <clears throat> of that? And how does that fit the cultural wars of today? Wow, it's a great question. Um, our, our motto, Central Florida Lions, is building champions for the kingdom. What's a motto? building nothing what's the motto with you okay i'm sorry go ahead oh. <laughs> <laughs> it never stops using the joke. <laughs> uh, too early in the morning um building champions for the kingdom and central Florida alliance got started um really with a conversation i had with my son on one end and a conversation i was having with our lead pastor at the kingdom church um at another uh, time and uh, somebody told him, said, man, if, you, if, you, if your church really wants to make a difference, especially in this next generation, you guys need a sports ministry, in particularly football in this community. Wow. And so we were having that conversation. There was a conversation I was having with my son, uh, Nathan. And one, son, one Saturday morning, I got up. We had a pastor's, our annual pastor's meeting at, at the church. And I got up and prayed and I said, Lord, um, I don't need anything else to do. But if this is something you want me to do to put together this sports ministry or, or lead it, start it, whatever, um, make it very clear to me. And I prayed some other things, got up off my knees and went to the church for our meeting. Had a great pastor's meeting. And the very last thing at the very end, <laughs> Pastor David Jacques, our lead pastor, said, 
You know, somebody told me if we're going to be effective, we need a sport to do a sports ministry and um, um, football. And then all the all the people in the room just started talking about it. And then all of a sudden, uh, I just felt like God spoke very clearly. This is your clear indication. Come on, bro. That we need the door open here, man. And so I lifted my hand. I said, I got it. That's awesome. And, and for a non-athlete like you. I, mean, that, that, <laughs> I tell you what, suit up. Let's go, out, let's go out there in the front yard. Oklahoma drill right here. Come on, man. Come I mean, on. You know, we I got two offensive linemen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both walk away with bloody noses. Exactly. Man, that was, a, that was incredible. And I, I was with you when I saw God open a door for a oh major partner to give you a big, I think it was $100,000 to yeah. help uh, support this and get the equipment. Because, you know, a football ministry is not cheap. I mean, you know, getting the Ooh. equipment is uh, itself is not cheap. It's not like, you know, it's beach volleyball or something. But God um, really showed out when that call came in. Um, uh, we had zero dollars. And I thought it was going to take two years to, to put together and plan. And one of our advisory members, uh, uh, a group of people that I put together to um, lend voice to this, they lived in Texas at the time. And we were on a Zoom call, and she, and um, she said, she said, Pastor, if God is in this, we can do this this year. We can start it this year. Wow! And I was like, Man, that's some know, faith that right there. That should have come from me, <laughs> and it came from her. And I said, Well, you know, you're right. Mm. And we said, Let's let's just do something in 2021. And um, God touched the heart of uh, um, a foundation. Uh, the Father's Table, and um, they uh, financed our entire year. That's incredible. Us, so. what, what, what a great start. And I know that it goes well beyond football. I know you have mentorship. I know that there's a GPA, uh, you know, a grade point average. Great. Yes. You, know, you look at their report cards yes. and you offer uh, the ability to have tutors. And I know that there is a, a code of conduct for the parents and, uh, how they treat the officials, a code of conduct clearly for the coaches and how they treat the players and, and the officials. And, uh, which is absolutely incredible. You think of today in Brooks, I mean, you just go, we're now we're back into your world. I mean, you think of how much, uh, you know, travel sports has just become a, a predominant thing in our culture. I mean, I, I think, and David, I think it's affected the church because I know Sundays are no longer sacred, bro. I mean, when you and I grew up, man, I mean, you, you didn't play on Sunday. You didn't schedule things on Sunday. No, um, you was going to hell if you did. Yeah, exactly. But now Sunday is, is, a, is a travel sport day that everybody's taking that up. And again, I does that compete with the church? That's a whole other thing. But Brooksy, tell me a little bit about your experience with travel sports, especially as one who played them and also on the other side of things now. Yeah, it was. And my dad was always the coach of our travel team. So, you know, it, it, you do have to miss some weekends, but he would mm. always leave at least one, maybe two each month where he, we have a Sunday off. It's not year round, you know, you got to take a break and ha mm -hmm. have to show up to church on Sunday. So right. it's definitely tough. And I mean, not even just youth travel sports, even if you play in college or whatever, mm -hmm. like you're gonna be playing on Sundays, mm -hmm. uh, especially baseball when you're playing weekend tournaments like that. What would Eric Little, I guess in baseball, Sandy Koufax, he, he was, uh, he wouldn't play on Saturdays, I don't <clears> believe. <throat> uh, he wouldn't break the Sabbath uh, wow. as a Jewish player. That. So yeah. So, uh, you know, um, in Eric Little, again, that, that English uh, champion who won the Olympics, who mm -hmm. didn't run in his event, 
I think it was a hundred yard dash because it was on the Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, God honored him and he won like the 400 or something like mm-hmm. that. But he wound up being a missionary uh, in China and wound up uh, dying in China. I mean, mm-hmm. talk, talk about a stud for Jesus. But anyway, Jesus. Um, so David, how do you, how do you see uh, the Central Florida Lions um, in this cultural war? I mean, where, where do you feel like this is? Where does God have this in the spectrum of the kingdom and how does it dovetail with the church, and what do you do with those you've decided, you've baptized? How do you get them back in the church, or you know, you know, what's what's? Uh, I know these are questions I'm throwing at you, but let's let's make it simple. You know, it's a ministry. Tell us, tell us what what does that mean? It's a ministry. It's a ministry in the sense that um, there are many people, if not most of the folks that are part of Central Florida Lions. Uh, aren't even connected mm-hmm. to a local church. Mm-hmm. And they come from various backgrounds. They come from various experiences. And they come to that football field uh, because they want their kids to be part of something great. Mm-hmm. Well, if we believe that we have the answer, if we believe that we have um, what a person needs for now and for eternity, how do we withhold that when we have a captive audience mm-hmm. three days a week for two to two and a half hours? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we do in the beginning of our practice, we bring all the kids under this pavilion and we have a word for the day and I read a scripture. And um, yesterday was uh, faith, mm-hmm. right? Without faith, it's impossible to please mm-hmm. God. And mm-hmm. so we'll talk about faith and you know, not only pleasing God, but putting your trust in your parents' kids to to take care of you, trusting your coaches to lead you well, you know, and just really um, uh, reading the scriptures mm-hmm. so that the Holy Spirit can do his job. Mm-hmm. How can they believe on him if they have not heard? Mm-hmm. So for us is I want to read scripture. I want to I want I want to expose them to the word of God so that the Holy Spirit has has is has something to work with in their heart Mm -hmm. and hopefully prick their hearts Mm -hmm. and wanting to inquire more about the Lord. And so what happened Mm -hmm. with that baptism of, we had nine, Mm -hmm. six of those kids, um, no, seven of them went to a football camp across the street that First Academy was doing, Coach Kennard. And um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes representative was there, gave his testimony, shared the gospel, and um, our kids, seven of our kids. That's awesome. Without their fathers being around, without them being in their own church, stood up and said, I want Jesus mm. to be my Lord. They stood up Praise to receive God. the Lord. And the coach came across awesome. the street to one of our practices and said, here, Pastor Outing, this is what happened That's awesome. over there at the camp. We're going to turn them over to you. And I was like, okay, we, we've been doing football and cheering. I said, God, what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> right. And then my son, Nathan, spoke out uh, and said, why don't we do a baptism right out here wow. in, in, in the practice field? And I heard you just dress like John the Baptist for it. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> how, did that, how did he dress? But, 
no, that's it was, so it awesome. was an amazing. That's event. so awesome. Yeah, well, so praise God. With both your outreach programs too, I like how you meet people at a common ground. You know, you meet people in their business where they're showing up every day. Like you're not forcing them to show up to church something they may not be comfortable with. Yeah. And that's kind of like taking that next step and then meeting people on the football field, whether it's the parents or players, you know, showing that you have common ground and preaching that way rather than like, hey, yeah. come to church on Sunday. They may not be super comfortable with that right off the yeah. bat. Well, I think the story of the prodigal mm-hmm. son really sets that up um, great. There was two church leaders that were so busy about doing, when I say church leaders, they were uh, Jewish people who were going to, um, um, going to the tabernacle. There was a, uh, a priest and a Levite. And they were so focused on doing the work of ministry that they stepped over ministry. Mm-hmm. And you think, I think you said the prodigal son. You mean the good Samaritan. I'm sorry, the good Samaritan. <laughs> yeah, good Samaritan. Yeah. Did I say prodigal son? Dude, that's Jeff right. Jakes, once again, to. correcting yeah. Bishop David Outing. <laughs> uh, yes, oh, I'm sorry. I definitely meant the good Samaritan story. Um, and the good Samaritan went to where that broken person was. Mm-hmm. And he brought ministry to that person. He served that person. And I think the principle of that is he represents the church. He represents the Lord, in my opinion. Jesus came to us. And then our job now is to go to where people are, Mm -hmm. bring ministry to them. And we can't be so focused on religious stuff or the church. And we step over what the church is supposed to be doing, Mm -hmm. which is go where people are and bring the healing ministry of Christ Mm -hmm. to them. And so for me bringing the the ministry of Jesus on the football field, bringing the ministry, we call it a ministry of presence, bringing the ministry of God's presence in the marketplace, in the workplace, is what I believe we're called to do and certainly what God is giving me to do. I mean, there's certainly an opportunity for it today. Wow, that's incredible. It's as dark as we are with culture wars. I mean, it seems to be a frontline ministry that is, is, in a way, it, it's such a advantageous for the ones who receive it, whether in their marketplace or on the football field. Uh, that's awesome, meeting with people where they are. Well, Bishop David Outing, thank you so much for uh, being on the corners. Anything that we didn't ask or anything you want to throw in before we pivot this back to some upcoming events? Well, just remember, um, according to one study, uh, Jesus had 132 public appearances in the New Testament and 122 were in the marketplace. Hmm. 52 parables are recorded in the New Testament and 45 were about or in the marketplace. Um, 40 divine interventions are recorded in Acts and 39 are in the marketplace. Of course, when Jesus chose his 12, he didn't go to the temple and find priests or Levites. He found working people. Tax collectors even. Tax collectors even. Fishermen. Fishermen. Yeah. Right? He went into the marketplace Mm -hmm. because I believe that is where we need to be doing business. I believe full-time ministry is not just, you know, you and I being pastors of a church or somebody being on staff at a church. But if you work at a bank, if you work at a restaurant, if you work um, at a hospital, that's your full-time ministry. Bring the presence of Christ into that market. Amen. I love it. 
Good word, my brother. Amen. Thanks for joining us. I think second or third appearance on KC Corner, too. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's exactly right. He's a uh, frequent flyer with oh, us, yeah. which is awesome. Yes, that's for sure. I love awesome. being on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, Brooksy. Should I say that? I love yeah, you. I, lo- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might need to take that yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's good. That's good. That's funny. So before we get out of here, what KC updates do we hey, have? A couple big ones, Brooks, that we got to hit. Remember, everybody, this Sunday, the 11th of September, uh, we are changing our worship time to 1030. So uh, that's a big change. Um, a week from today, we'll be launching our women's ministry, our KC Women, and they'll be studying First Peter with Jen Wilkin. Very, very excited about that. So ladies, please sign up for that. Um, next Thursday, we will be uh, starting our uh, creeds and coffee, uh, looking at the Heidelberg Catechism at the church at 7 a.m. So you want to sign up for that. And then on the 18th, uh, a week from Sunday, we'll be starting our KC and the AM, our Sunday School Class Foundations with Charlie uh, Woodward and so a lot of opportunities, folks, uh, to jump in and to get plugged in and to learn and to grow. And to, you remember, as I, I always love to say, just be you in love with Jesus. And, you know, we're at, what we're really focusing on this year, as you know, Brooks, is how are we going to be equipping those among us, reaching those around us? Mm-hmm. That, in that mm-hmm. ER, with that urgency of an ER, an emergency room, let's be equipping mm-hmm. those among us, reaching those around us. So um, for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor, may we do that well. Amen. Amen. And by the way, also, we got a new sermon series starting Sunday. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's after his namesake. You know, it's David, <laughs> a man after God's own heart, which reflects my dear brother here. Mm. And, uh, but we're going to be looking at snapshots, wow. portraits of David. And uh, well, it's only a 10-week study, so it's hard to pick which 10 you want to look at. But the whole goal is going to be, Brooks, not just to say we need to be more like David, but how does David point to Jesus? And how, how does that just uh, give us hope? And we'll see it in his strengths. And we'll see it in his failures of how much we need our, our, our Savior Jesus. So, hey, jump in. Listen to the corner. Uh, come be a part. And Brooks, thanks again. <laughs>